Good evening, everyone. I'm Anne-Marie Cronin, and I'll be hosting a special live broadcast tonight on News Talk 760 WJR. We're going to be talking about the prevention of disease and the urgency of taking action before the onset of serious medical problems. Dr. Brian Collender, MD, internal medicine physician and specialist in prevention, is here tonight to tell you what you need to know about how to avoid heart attack and stroke altogether and what you need to do to prevent Alzheimer's and many of the other chronic diseases. If you have a question, we're opening up the lines and taking your calls. So please make a note of this number, 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. We'll be repeating it throughout the show, and this is your chance to talk directly to the doctor. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back. You're listening to News Talk 760 WJR. Again, I'd like to welcome all of you to a special medical radio show here on News Talk 760 WJR. I'm Anne-Marie Cronin, and we are here tonight to talk to you about prevention and why you have to start looking at healthcare from a different perspective. Dr. Brian Collender, MD, is joining us from Birmingham, Michigan, to give us some hard talk about dealing with our health and making sure we get the necessary testing. We're inviting you to call in if you have a question at 800-859-0957. Again, that number is 800-859-0957. Dr. Collender, welcome back to another one of your very informative shows. We were obviously talking on Facebook Live over the break about the new Delta variant. What do you have to weigh in on that? Well, that's a great question because I'm not sure what to say anymore. I'm confused as the listeners. Nothing that's not that's, good. <laughs> it isn't because none of the messaging from our government makes any sense to me. So I'm still pro-vaccine. I think it's important to get vaccinated with one of the vaccines that are available. I want to say that we've been changing our messaging based on the data that comes through because we are dealing with a novel virus. And so as data comes out, then our recommendations may change a little bit. But now with this Delta uh, variant and what the CDC is telling us to do really has me confused. I think it has a lot of my patients confused and it must have a lot of the listening audience confused. Why we're back to wearing masks indoors makes no sense to me. Um, none of it does. Well, I think what, you know, the news is that's out there, the way I'm, you know, looking at it and taking it is that the people that are winding up with this Delta variant, winding up in the hospital, isn't it true that like 90% of them are people that were unvaccinated? It is. And at the, at the risk of sounding callous, it's not at a, because there's a lack of vaccines. Right. Absolutely not. It's not because of a lack of information. Mm-hmm or education at this point. Mm -hmm. If you're alive in this world, you're aware of, of COVID and you know that there's a vaccine available mm -hmm. and you're choosing for one reason or another not to get a vaccine. What do you think stopped people though? I mean, is it because the FDA had only uh, put out an emergency use only? And I, I think now with the Delta variant, they're actually approving the vaccine. I think the FDA is now approving it legally. Whatever. Well, Anne-Marie, I think that the skepticism of our healthcare system and the pharmaceutical industry and our government is so deep-rooted 
that to mm -hmm. say, well, oh, it's because it's not FDA approved is just really a drop in a bucket of why people don't get vaccinated and why they're everyone has a legitimate reason. The FDA does things that don't make sense. You know, they've approved drugs and removed drugs that don't make sense. Mm -hmm. They've, you know, the uh, CDC has made comments that don't make sense. Mm -hmm. Dr. Fauci has blamed the, vex the virus on a bat from a, you know, wet market mm -hmm. when he funded the development of the, of the virus in a lab. Mm -hmm. So when it's more than that. And then it's, it's pharmaceutical companies hiding data about bad outcomes of their drugs. It's pharmaceutical companies being sued for hiding data. There's decades, you know, of, of bad blood developed so that from all ends. So when people are being told, hey, you got to go do this, and the voices being, that are telling them what to do are the p voices that have hurt them. I know, but at a certain at a certain point, you have to just kick in with common sense and forget about the media, forget about television, Fauci. Well, but they can't. Well, no, they it's, can. They, they can can't. shut off the TV and forget about that and look at, wait, let me tell you what I think. The vaccine has been given to, I don't know, how many millions of people. Nobody so far has died from it. There's been no adverse effects from the vaccine. And it's a fact of, there, there is a fact that if you get the vaccine and you get the disease, you're going to not have as severe symptoms if you get if you wind up getting COVID. So therefore, I don't see what is negative about looking at what the what's out there, what the truth is. The truth is, no one's dying from the vaccine, but they are dying from COVID. Well, there are people, and I'm going to, you know, there are people who know people who died from getting after getting the vaccine. Everyone in the listening Caused audience. Caused by the vaccine. Everyone in the listening audience knows someone who knows someone who died like a day or two after getting vaccinated. Okay, do we have statistics on that or is this just hearsay? It's hearsay, but the people who hear this stuff believe that these statistics are being buried. Okay, so you can get the, you can get the vaccine and die from a heart attack. I, you can get the vaccine and die I, from another. I don't want to make this sound like I'm pushing this theory. I'm pro-vaccine, go get vaccinated. What I believe what Amory said is accurate, which is millions of doses have been distributed and statistically it's extraordinarily safe. It's probably the safest products that have been put out by right. pharma ever. So even if there's 0.01%, it's a thousand times safer than any drug any of you are taking. Oh, that's a good point. Well said. So... It's safe, but I also recognize that people have their own reasons for not getting vaccinated. So if people are choosing not to get vaccinated, why are we caring? I mean, again, not to sound callous, but let them be. I hear what you're saying, but let's let's hear from some of these people that are anti-vaxxers about why. In the meantime, we're going to take a short break. And again, you're listening to a special live broadcast. We're here with Dr. Brian Collender, MD, talking about prevention. If you have a specific question and you'd like to talk to the doctor directly about what you need to do to prevent catastrophic disease, please call us at 800-859-0957. 
Again, that's 800-859-0957. You're listening to News Talk 760 WJR. Now joining us, I'd like to let you know we're welcoming you to our special medical radio show on News Talk 760 WJR. We're back again here with Dr. Brian Collender, MD, internal medicine physician and specialist in prevention in Birmingham, Michigan. He's here tonight to give us some heart advice on what we need to do to avoid heart attack and stroke altogether. We're inviting listeners to call in with your questions at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. Olivia, you have a caller? We have Anna from West Bloomfield calling. Anna, what's your question? Hi, doctor. You mentioned just a few minutes ago, um, just before the break, that this is safer than anything else that we could be taking right now. But where are the statistics to prove that? This vaccine hasn't been used for very long. It hasn't been tested, which is why I believe it hasn't been FDA approved yet. So how could you positively say that it is safer than anything else that we're taking? It usually takes many, many years before it can be determined whether something like this is safe. Well, I have a question back for you, and thanks for calling, is what would it take for you to get vaccinated? Uh, it would take many more years <laughs> to know right. that, that people don't have adverse. I know people who have had some neurological deficits after the vaccine, um, some lasting still, but some not. I've had people who have gotten very ill after getting the vaccine, some who haven't but have gotten ill subsequently within the last few months, um, you know, from COVID itself, um, you know, and varying circumstances. So I can't honestly say that I am comfortable for various other reasons, personal of my own, let alone just, you know, what is out there um, right now, just from my own experience and forget what I've heard on the news, because I don't think we're getting all of that truth, just like you had mentioned. I mean, there are many cases of healthcare workers that I know personally that have said that people have been stated, you know, they stated on their records that they've died of COVID when they actually have died from something else. Well, um, that's but another story. Well, right. well, we've talked about that a lot, that the government is reimbursing hospitals for COVID deaths, which means that people that may not have died from COVID are being labeled a COVID death so they can get the money. And it's raising the number of deaths substantially, possibly, uh, which alters our perception of how dangerous COVID really is. Right. So you raise a lot of great points. Um, one of them is we don't have the data. And we don't. You know, the, a lot of the data from these studies have not been released. And it comes back, Anna, to this catch-22, which is all we know is what we've been told by the people we don't trust. You know, all of them, all the people we said in the first segment. We just don't trust the people telling us this story. And at the same time, I'm going to say that I'm in favor of vaccines because vaccines reduce inflammation from the source of the inflammation. So, you know, shingles generates an inflammatory response. The flu generates an inflammatory response. Inflammation is what triggers chronic disease and that's what we want to prevent, and that's why I'm in favor of the vaccine. So it's, you've got a complicated question, which we may come back to, Anna. Okay, uh, Dr. Collender, we've got Carlos in Windsor calling. Carlos, what is your question? Yes, good evening, doctor. I recently experienced 
a uh, transient ischemic attack, TIA or mini stroke. And uh, I was a guitarist for most of my life, and now I've lost control of my left arm because of this incident. And I wonder if you have any recommendations for strengthening my arm or ways to improve my uh, stability. Well, sorry to hear that. That's horrible. Um, what you know? So, if you had a an event that left you with a deficit, it's. I'm not sure you had a TIA. You had a stroke. A TIA goes away. You know, it's like a warning. It's mm-hmm. a brief symptom that resolves completely. You had a stroke. If you have some, if you have long term residual problems, so. If you've had one stroke, you're at risk for other strokes. And I'm answering a different question. You asked about how to regain strength, and that's with a very aggressive physical therapy. Um, you know, use your arm as much as you can to regain it, but you need help with that. The What you didn't ask, which to me is a more important point, is you need to learn what caused you to have that stroke In so you can address place. all of the predisposing factors to not have another one or not have a heart attack. And those predisposing factors can also lead you to having Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. So we that's where you need to go. And feel free to call us after the show, um, and we can direct you. And that's 866-COLANDER, 866-K-O-L-E-N-D-E-R. If you have, I've said this so many times, K-O-L-E-N-D-E-R, if you have any follow-up questions. But we've got a list of other callers, and we have Marianne from Macomb. Marianne, what's your question? Yeah, I'm devastated. My friend in Port Huron had the vaccine, and two days later she was dead. I'm, I'm crying right now. And then my friend in Ohio... She had the vaccine, and now she's got some neurological disease. She can't walk, and so there's something wrong with her hand, and she's got headaches. And then her friend's neighbor, the teenage girl, had a vaccine, and now she's got some kind of heart trouble. What is this pushing, pushing? This is like a dictatorship. I don't like this. I'm afraid, and I don't want this test. I never want this vaccine, and this is dangerous to be pushing it on people. And I'll take my answer off the phone because I'm crying. Well, Well, I mean, that's kind of a devastating statement. But, again, it's still, you know, anecdotal information about reporting about what this person had and what that person had. But let's look at the millions of people that have had the vaccine that, thank God, have not gotten the disease, or if so, have gotten very minuscule symptoms from the disease. So... When we talk on the air and when I talk about experiences with my patients, it's really about prevention and one-on-one individual care. And prevention requires hands-on detailed uh, information and hand- take care of everyone on an individual basis. When you start talking about population medicine, you're ta- you get into statistics and percentages, and it's a different talk. So when you hear about, and I'm, you know, we these horrible stories and the prior caller about distrusting the information, um, when you hear these stories, you go, how can you recommend the vaccine? But when you're talking about worldwide effects and national effects, I hate to say it, but you have to look at statistics which remove the individual, which is, I'm going to say, the opposite of what I do. I take care of each individual person, but on a, on a national level, you have to look at it on a statistical basis. 
and and it sounds terrible to say after all that we should still get a vaccine, but statistically, um, it helps people. And I also have to say, in my practice, most of my practice has been vaccinated, and no one has had a problem from the vaccine. And I've had a few patients get COVID, and a and a, and a small number of them are having long-term complications from from COVID. So personally, I've not seen any of these complications of the vaccine. And also, you don't know. You've got to take into consideration cause and effect. It doesn't mean that because somebody died or got a disease or got a problem two days after getting the vaccine, they're necessarily causal. You're correct. And so that's part of a conversation that's been lost in right. this in this fourth wave of the vaccine, which is other drivers of inflammation leave people at risk for complications of COVID, and it may leave them at risk for complications of the vaccine, we don't know. Because the vaccine does trigger some degree of an immune response, which might put somebody over the edge of something, but I'd still say getting COVID would be worse. Obviously not worse than death, but worse. Yeah, I mean, who knows? It's, it's, it's an ongoing conversation for sure. In the meantime, we've got to take a quick break. Again, you are listening to a special live medical broadcast. And if you have a specific question and you would like to talk to the doctor directly about what you need to do to avoid heart attack and stroke, or if you have a question on any of the subjects we're discussing tonight, please give us a call at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. You're listening to News Talk 760 WJR. Welcome back to our special live medical broadcast on News Talk 760. We are very fortunate to have Dr. Brian Collender, MD, internal medicine physician and specialist in prevention here tonight to give us some straight talk about two important topics, prevention and being proactive. We're inviting you to call in with your questions at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. And Olivia, you have a caller, Steve from Warren. Steve, what is your question? I was just wondering, uh, how do you know that someone has COVID? Like, how do you distinguish that? Well, the best way to distinguish it, if you're having symptoms, and the symptoms are, you know, loss of smell, fever, shortness of breath, chest pain, um, any kind of gastrointestinal symptom along with muscle aching and fatigue, um, fever, and then you go get tested. So it, you get a COVID test and they've got a test that's very accurate. Um, the nasal swab that looks at PCR, uh, polymerase chain reaction testing. But that's and a good question though, because for the average listener who's staying at home and wakes up one day feeling tired, nauseated, fevered. Most people don't even have thermometers to figure out whether they've got a temperature or not. And maybe they've got some of the symptoms or a majority of the symptoms. When you say, you know, and what, what I'm thinking about in my brain is if I call my primary care physician, A, they're probably not going to answer the phone, and B, I'm going to have to give them a good reason about coming in. So how do you get tested? Is the, is the consumers or the listeners supposed to look up some place where they can go and get tested on their own? Well, a year ago, we had problems getting tested. You know, this is a year-old conversation that we're bringing back. Mm -hmm. Now, testing is very available, and you should be able to call your doctor to get tested. 
whether they do it in their office or have a place for you to go, there should be, I mean, it's not, I don't think it's hard to get tested. You should be able to walk into any pharmacy and get tested or your doctor's office should somewhere to go. That was a problem a year ago. Where do you go? How do you find out the validity of the testing? So now that's not a question. Might so you're, take, you're talking about the nasal swab where you wait 24 hours to get an answer, right? Correct. Okay. And they're very they're they're very accurate. In fact, they're so accurate that if you've been vaccinated, I don't even know if I get tested mm-hmm. because you might be carrying a small amount of virus in your nasal passages and it's going to show up. So the idea of getting tested after being vaccinated on a routine basis, I think is stupid. Mm-hmm. Like getting a like sports people, you know, guy got kicked off the the final round of a of a major. Mm-hmm. Because he tested positive for COVID after being vaccinated. Why would you test someone that's been vaccinated who has mm-hmm. no symptoms? Mm-hmm. They just took away a million dollars out of that guy's pocket. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so no common sense is occurring. None. Anywhere. Um, you know, we were talking, you know, off the air a little bit about, you know, just the recommendations that are coming across that make no sense that leads people to not trusting the, the, the decisions that they need to make. Um, it's, I think that, you know, when the CDC is telling people to wear masks again, even though your chance of having a severe COVID response after being vaccinated is low, makes no sense. Why am I being told to wear a mask after being vaccinated Protect people that haven't been vaccinated by choice. So what's the answer? Well, notwithstanding Anne, who doesn't want to get vaccinated, I'd still say we should still get vaccinated. The population data is supporting the numbers. Now, Mm -hmm. if, God forbid... The government is hiding information. If these pharmaceutical companies are hiding information, we're, in, we're, we're lost. Like what kind of information would they be hiding? Well, they've hidden, you know, we've said this before. Pharmaceutical companies have buried bad data before. Mm-hmm. They've done studies on their drug, and if the drug isn't, if the data doesn't support the use of their drug, guess what? It doesn't get published. No one sees the study. Mm-hmm. It doesn't get presented to the FDA. It's a privately run study. Mm-hmm. That's a problem with our government not funding research. The government stopped funding most of the research. The research is being funded by pharmaceutical companies. So all you see are positive studies. No one, no one puts out a negative study. You don't get a medical journal full of negative studies. You just get the positive ones. Mm-hmm. So there's tremendous reporting bias in medicine. Mm-hmm. And somehow I've got to say in the next line, but I support vaccines. There's a massive amount. Well, I think common sense tells you that it's, it's better. Com- to, it's common sense. I mean, for, for us that are out there that are not medical doctors, we're not in the medical industry, we're kind of looking at, okay, there's so many millions of millions of people that got the vaccine and they've got a fighting chance of beating it, not getting it or surviving it, I'm going to get the vaccine. That's a good enough answer for me. And I agree with you. And I think most people have to think that way. I agree with you. The forget chance... about Fauci and forget about the government and forget about all the pharmaceutical 
you know, what the, what's in their best interest and the chasing the money and all the rest of it. Basically, people want to stay alive. They don't want to get the, they don't want to get COVID. They don't want to die. They don't want to be in a ventilator. So I'm just looking at the huge numbers of people that have gotten the vaccine. Nothing happened to them. And if you've got a fighting chance of not becoming a statistic to COVID, then you might as well, I mean, it's just a, it's a take the chance, get the vaccine. Even though the risk of dying from COVID is 0.1%. Doesn't matter. I don't want to be that 1%. The 0.1%. You're or right. Or 0.1%. Or the, point zero, so well, I don't want to be any of the percent. Well, the chance of having a complication from the vaccine is probably 0.001%. Right. And that's a statistically significant difference that makes it worth getting the vaccine. And if you're one of those, you know, one out of a 100,000 100, people that get a side effect, um, you know, now we all get side effects of the vaccine. Let me put it this way. We all get sore arms. We all get fevers and chills and yeah, that's achy. Nothing. That's nothing. That doesn't count. I, you know, I think you've got to play, you know, count on common sense here. If you look at when the vaccines first came out, who were the first people to jump on the bandwagon and get them? Were all of the doctors. So I don't know any doctor that didn't get take the vaccine. You took it. All of the doctors I know took it. So if I'm looking at a doctor that went to medical school that's willing to take the vaccine and take the risk with his education, I'm going to be next in line. That's what common sense is. Right. Not only did the doctors take it, but the doctors that really shouldn't have been taking it, they don't even see patients got the vaccine. That's they, right. They use their they privilege. Able to get it, they were able to get it ahead of us. Well, they use their privilege to you get it. You got it ahead of me. Right. Well, yeah, well, it was still uh, anyway, it took me still longer than it should have gotten it to get it. But still, you're a doctor and you put your arm out and you got it. And you're advocating over the radio to the hundreds of thousands of listeners to get it. Right. So therefore, it's just kind of it comes down to common sense. Well, what I don't like that's happened is that the conversation of who gets sicker from COVID has gone away, that. People with underlying diseases have more problems. But that's been the way it was since day one. And it might still be happening is in terms of who's, that, who's been vaccinated that still gets Delta. What population is that? Is that the diabetics? Is it the overweight people? Is it the people with heart disease? Is it the people with high blood pressure? What drugs are they taking? Are they on vitamin D? How are they being managed when they get covid Mm-hmm. Are they getting hydroxychloroquine? Are they right. going to the hospital and getting monoclonal antibodies? Mm-hmm. Are they getting remdesivir? You know, mm-hmm. all of these conversations have just stopped. Mm-hmm. You know, are these treatments available to the people who get COVID? To me, mm-hmm. these are still valid conversations because COVID was a great opportunity to recognize inflammation drives disease. And that's all gone away to nothing but vaccines. Right. All right. In the meantime, we're going to take a quick break. You are listening to a special live broadcast from the studios of Startup Nation in downtown Birmingham. And if you have a specific question on the subject we're discussing tonight and you would like to talk to the doctor directly, please call us at 800-859-0957. Again, that number is 800-859-0957. You're listening to News Talk 760 WJR. 
Welcome back to the final segment of our special live broadcast here on News Talk 760 WJR on the importance of being proactive and informed of the resources available to prevent and treat the chronic and debilitating diseases we've come to accept as inevitable. You're listening to the expert advice of Dr. Brian Collender, MD, internal medicine physician and specialist in prevention. If you have a question for the doctor, now is your chance to call us at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. And before I get back to Dr. Collender, let me let you listeners know that we also have a show on Sunday. Dr. Collender has a show at 3 o'clock every Sunday where we discuss extensive other medical issues that you may find interesting. So that's Sunday at 3 o'clock. Dr. Collender, we're on the last segment here. What do you have to say to listeners? Because they're still all lost. Well, it's got to come down to basics. And the basics are that the best protection against COVID or any other virus is prevention. And that is that you know how you are, you know your health, and that you take action to make yourself healthier. And that means screening for the diseases that contribute to chronic illness. Mm -hmm. So that's my favorite thing to talk about, what we mostly talk about on the radio, which we've been hijacked by COVID. Um, We want to let people know that preventing diseases is possible. You can Mm -hmm. prevent heart attacks and strokes. It's possible to prevent dementia. It's possible to avoid Parkinson's. Well, it's not just possible, it's available. The heart, technology is here. Heart attack and stroke, absolutely. 100% the technology is available. is a little questionable, but we can try. And if we're doing all of the things to prevent these chronic illnesses, you're improving your body's innate immune system to fight infection. So inflammation is the driver of chronic disease, And viruses generate an inflammatory response. So when you become exposed to COVID, for people that are already in a high inflammatory state, it's like throwing gasoline into a dumpster fire. Mm -hmm. You're going to get an explosion. You're going to get the cytokine storm that kills people. Mm -hmm. If your body's in a low inflammatory state, another way of saying that is, your body's immune system is healthy and in a position to fight whatever comes. Mm -hmm. And so we're all losing touch of the concept of prevention when we talk about the vaccine. Now, I think vaccines are a great tool for prevention. And that's why we promote the vaccine. I think it's interesting that people rush out to get their flu vaccine. They're not worried about the flu vaccine, are they? They're not worried about dying from that or getting some kind of, you know, ill effects from that. Everybody's just running out there and getting the flu vaccine. And the flu vaccine changes every year. Right. Every year there's a different version of the flu vaccine to match what they think the flu is going to look like. Right. And no one complains that, oh, it's a novel flu vaccine. When every year to year it's a new flu vaccine because mm-hmm. it's been re-engineered to match what they think is coming across the sea. Isn't it interesting, though, that flu in general is not quite as devastating as what happens with COVID and that people are way more skeptical about the COVID vaccine than the flu vaccine? Well, 
let's not go back down that rabbit hole again. We're not going down that road. Let's, tell let's, us. Let's, let's, uh, let's, we just let's, did that. Tell I, the patients uh, what they need to know. You know, the most important thing to do is identify the disease that you have before it becomes present. Right. We want to identify that you have the precursors for heart attack and stroke. So that means screening with imaging. So we do carotid intima media thickness testing in our office, which looks at the layers of the artery, which are involved in plaque buildup. And everyone should get that. Let's just make it clear that everybody alive should be getting that test, especially in this country. It's critical to starting a prevention program. Right. It's all about the philosophy of prevention versus reaction. Right. And taking seriously the signs that you have a disease process as and, and addressing it early mm-hmm. as opposed to waiting for it to be critical and end stage. Right. You get a colonoscopy, you get a mammogram, get a CIMT. The whole country's health system is based on reaction. Right. And I'm going to go back and, and do a quick um, analogy to COVID. Instead of identifying who had COVID and contact tracing and testing and putting a lot of money into that, we put money into into ventilators in the beginning. And that's how our no health care... Well, but it's also how our healthcare system works, mm-hmm. which is Reactive well. Body. Let's let's take the the last stage, mm-hmm. you know, the last line of defense, mm-hmm. and that's where we're going to put our money. Mm-hmm. Instead of how do I figure out where we are at the beginning? You know, we're still not there with COVID. We're still not testing and contact tracing. It's shocking to me that the government doesn't have a database of who's been vaccinated. That's crazy. All That's this, interesting. You would think they would follow that up, you know, They don't. Closely. Everyone's got their paper card that was written on, and right. that's your proof of vaccination in right. 2021. Right. So we're still not practicing prevention at any level at all in this country um, from COVID to anything. So it's a choice of, it's a fundamental choice to choose prevention. And if you're, do, if you're doing what you need to do to make yourself as healthy as possible, you're going to handle COVID. At what age do we start practicing prevention? In this country, 30. 30 is not too soon to identify people with plaque. And no matter where you are in your health journey, there's a chance to reverse it mm-hmm. and and. and quiet down the inflammation in your system so that you can handle whatever comes your way. So it's interesting. We have all, you know, for women, we have the gynecologists and the pap smears and the, you know, breast examination and the, all of the testing that we have for the colonoscopies that are considered mandatory and something you should do to prevent disease. But nobody has stepped up and said, this is what you have to do to prevent a heart attack, which is 100% preventable. And it's it's amazing that there hasn't been a push to, you know, publicize this to the general public. Well, because it goes against everything our healthcare system stands for. Our healthcare system is all about the making you know, money. The, well the legacy stakeholders of the of the system making money, which right. is your insurance company, the hospitals, the pharmaceutical companies. Yeah, the pharmaceuticals make money by giving you expensive medications and the hospitals make money by when you get sick. 
Exactly. So no one makes money when you're healthy. Sad story. Right. So in order to get healthy, you've got to look for outside the system resources to do that because the system doesn't care about you being healthy. It's not built to help you. In the same way, the system isn't helping us stay healthy from COVID. We've got to, on our own, figure out how to be healthy, how to identify our root causes of disease, and and do this on your own because the resources aren't available for everybody. They should be, and hopefully one day they will be. There's a way to get there, but it's not right. I mean, no one's talking about it. Well, right now, patients have to be their own advocate, and they have to think about the word prevention. Where do they start that prevention journey? And they can always call you at 866-COLANDER. But unfortunately, we're out of time, so I'd like to quickly thank Dr. Brian Collander, MD, specialist in prevention, for being here tonight and for being willing to share his expertise and knowledge with regards to not only the prevention of disease, but also on the importance of being proactive and engaging with a practice that provides access to the necessary testing. This show is brought to you by Collander Medical, and I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cronin. We hope you got some useful information tonight on how to be your own advocate and take charge of your health, whatever your medical journey. Please continue to tune in to our shows Thursday at 7, Sunday at 3 p.m. for the latest medical updates. And thanks for listening to News Talk 760 WJR. Good night and be well.